0: Welcome to another edition of the Locker Lab podcast. I am Arik Levy, General Partner at Locker One Ventures.
1: And I'm Brian Dewey, uh, Co-Founder and CEO of Colony.
0: And today we are excited to talk about lockers and meet with a, a locker company, emerging company that's doing fantastic things. I've been seeing them uh, all over social media and and uh, lots of success so I'm excited to talk with Miha today who is the CEO and founder of block IT uh, Miha thanks thanks for joining us
2: yeah thanks for having me and thanks for the short introduction
0: wonderful so uh, I would love to hear a little bit about your story I mean how uh, maybe you can start with with how you got into the locker business and we can go from there
2: right so um... It's quite a long story, even though it's four years uh, old, Um, everything actually started with my idea to have some kind of uh, space, uh, public space uh, based on shared economy available for people that people could store belongings, exchange items, get deliveries and so on. So I had this idea. And uh, when I was 2018 in Silicon Valley, uh, Lion was actually launching their electric scooters at the time. And this kind of triggered my idea of having some kind of space uh, to have some hardware connected to software based on shared economy. So the story actually started 2018 with uh, that Lime triggered. And at the same time, I also met my co-founder, my future co-founder, who is Portuguese, who was was participating in some uh, business summer school program in Silicon Valley as well. So... I guess what really happened is I had an idea and, uh, in the whole environment and, and the startup ecosystem there and the big launch that we could see personally kind of triggered everything. Um, since then, I mean, the first two years really was just uh, figuring out uh, kind of the market, uh, figuring out how we could position ourselves, where we could find our spot under the sun, uh, to say the least. And then once we found it, it was 2021, Uh, in which we positioned ourselves as a b2b smart locker technology provider focusing on on software mainly um since then everything kind of skyrocketed um we've been growing revenue 10x year over year now the third year in a row um growing number of lockers growing the team and yeah since then i just feel that everything went extremely fast
1: yeah that's interesting so um we talked about a lot of different applications um, using smart lockers. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe kind of talk about the first application that um, in, the, in the market entry points, but then also talk about maybe how you've expanded
2: with some of your strategic partnerships. Right, so at the beginning I saw smart lockers as a place to, for storage, right? But very quickly we realized uh, the parcel delivery also, due to a little bit of the COVID era and the growth of e-commerce, uh, it really pushed kind of parcel lockers being the most popular way or, or application or, or the use case of the locker. So, um, I'm not sure if that, that's what you we were referring to, but I yeah, would say... exactly. Yeah. I would say parcel lockers as solving the last mile, which we know that 90% of logistics uh, cost resides on the last mile. And... The fact that parcel locker actually allows you to place a lot of parcels in, in one spot instead of going uh, to every single door, uh, that's a great optimization for a logistic companies. So I think that's number one in the best application so far. Obviously, then you can expand the first mile. And then in the retail, you have uh, click and collect, uh, boppy systems, which which I think comes second. But obviously, solving last mile smart lockers come very handy.
0: So, you know, Europe is a uh a much more crowded market than the U.S. when it comes to lockers. Uh, You know, what markets are you going after from a location perspective and how have you been able to uh, carve yourself out to make yourselves uh, unique from the other competitors in the space?
2: Right. So when we started, we actually just wanted to prove it to, to ourselves, to markets, to investors, that the market is actually geographically agnostic. Also market segment, quite agnostic, but first of all, geographically agnostic. So, At the beginning we were kind of uh, making deals everywhere um, across europe in multiple countries namely portugal spain all across to netherlands france germany uh we even made a deal in in mexico uh, peru and um so we were kind of doing projects everywhere which wasn't the most efficient but we actually wanted to just show that this that our solution can be adapted everywhere um yeah europe is very well developed uh, when it comes to smart lockers. Uh, We actually have countries in which out-of-home deliveries uh, are already having a bigger share than actual home deliveries. So people on on a monthly basis are picking more packages in lockers than than receiving them at home, which is is good for us because it's closer to us and we understand the market better. And and, um, right now, the timing, I believe it's here. How we think we're different. when we enter the the market or the industry, we realized that most of the solutions are actually being provided by hardware manufacturers. So these were hardware factories. Uh, they were, were doing a lot of hardware products. They realized that potential is in smart lockers. So they partnered with some software consultancy companies to do this software part of lockers, or they tried to uh, kind of um, change the structure internally and, and build the software. And and we kind of disagreed with that approach from, from the get-go. So what we did, we're software-first approach. We started developing software. We, that's that's what we do in-house. Uh, we realized the software is the one that defines the user experience. It defines how easy it is to integrate with a partner. So if I would have to, to summarize or to point out one thing, I would say our software makes a difference. And it makes a difference. And this is what we kind of wanted to emphasize from from the beginning of our journey. Yeah.
1: Regarding some of your um, early customers, what, uh, you know, what pain points were they finding when you know, I, I know, one of the ones I see quite frequently on your LinkedIn pages is your, your partnership or uh, with Vinted. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about what they were maybe looking for and, you know, with you being a, a newer company, why did they take the leap with you guys instead of, you know, beyond your software capabilities, why did they take the leap with you guys instead of, uh, you know, one of the other more traditional um, mm-hmm. veteran uh, smart locker companies?
2: Right. So Vinted is not one of our first uh, clients, but is definitely the ones that people now recognize us after. So Vinted put us on the mat, no doubt about it. And, uh, mainly because their project that they are uh, so that the locker project they're launching is huge uh, they also after launch they had great results with them uh, the locker utilization is great and I think they have a great case to place locker so we're very happy to work on a project that is so active we like to say it's the most active project on the in the industry so Vinted is a marketplace um, so lockers for them makes a lot of sense if you're a marketplace if you're handling second-hand clothes it means that the cost of the item is already quite low, which means if you have delivery to door and if you have a high delivery cost, you kind of lose this point of the, the, the marketplace or the second hand life uh, that, that gives you, which is having a cheap product. So lockers come very handy because they decrease the, the this delivery cost. Um, Vinted being as a marketplace means that the user interacts the locker the first, so it's the first mile and the last mile. So this was a little bit more complex approach or uh, a little bit more complex software interaction that uh, we've seen before just with the last mile or with a simple return. Um, And I believe we got a deal because of our flexibility. From the beginning, we wanted to make our solution as customizable and as flexible as possible. And with such complicated software case that they had with the lockers, I think we were just the closest to execute in the short time span that they had available for the solution. Yeah. Straight.
1: Now you're a mute, Eric. Sorry about that. Thanks. So, no Mita, Mita,
0: you were talking about out of home delivery and how some markets you're in have actually more out of home delivery than they do delivery to the door. Could you talk about some of those markets and how you're seeing that trend and why uh, you know you, you think that market's going to continue to expand?
2: Right. So uh, in in Europe, we're realizing. Uh, so Poland is the one we call the locker lands. They have, in absolute values, the most in absolute numbers, the most lockers placed, and uh, the reason behind it, they have a local logistic company uh, that comes from Poland that was very aggressive placing lockers from the get-go. Even though the lockers were not super uh, utilized from the beginning, they believed in the vision and, and they were keep placing a lot of lockers. And once you have a very high density, not just that it's very convenient for a logistic company to to deliver these parcels, this um, batch of parcels, it also becomes very convenient for the final user and people start adopting it. So that's So the story behind the Poland in specific is that uh, they had a logistic company so aggressively placing uh, smart lockers, that people started adopting it. We've noticed Scandinavian countries to be the first one to follow. I would say they are just uh, digitally very, uh, they just have a great adoption for the new digital projects and so on. So um, I think out of home delivery is inevitable. With increased cost of labor and increased gas cost, uh, we need to find ways to optimize this 90% of logistic costs that reside on the last mile. There was a case study done uh, between two logistic companies that maybe I wouldn't mention, but I believe the case study was done in the UK recently. A company not using smart lockers was delivering 80 to 100 parcels a day, while a a logistic company heavily relying on smart parcel lockers was delivering, I believe, from 900 to 1,200 lockers a day. So in some cases, uh, sorry, 900 to 1,200 parcels a day. In some cases, 13, 13 times more parcels than um, in the same time frame. So if you put this into perspective, this is huge cost optimization. Um, I believe this was a big enough signal for the whole industry to optimize uh, with smart parcel lockers. They don't have failed deliveries um parcel uh, parcel locker always except the parcel so it's just a solution for many um for many problems in logistics yeah
1: that's uh that's interesting so when um i had a question i forgot it. So tell me a little bit about your your business model and how, how you partner with companies. Are you based everything off of like a, a SaaS uh,
2: business model or people buying the hardware plus a SaaS? Explain a little bit of that. Right. So we, we provide a full, full smart locker solution, end-to-end solution. This means that we provide uh, the, everything that comes with hardware, the whole locker, and uh, the software that is is attached to it. Um, our goal in the long term is to apply as many softwares as possible. We see ourselves as a software player, but at the same time we also understand that the market is not as developed that a lot of infrastructure is needed and that's why we are providing the full uh, solution with hardware including um, that doesn't mean that we don't pay attention on optimizing our solution from the hardware point of view we've We've been very heavily diversifying our uh, supply chain currently we produce with with uh, Seven factories from six different countries, making sure that our project is always um, efficient. Uh, if something happens in one of the factories, we make sure that majority of the project is always delivered on time, uh, and, and we also make it very price efficient because we have such a large portfolio of companies we can choose for for specific project to to manufacture. So, um, I, I would say yeah, full solution. Um, we want our our clients or partners to recognize us or to choose us because of the software that, that we apply on. But it doesn't mean that uh, we think we're, we're better on hardware. I, I think we're doing great steps in making sure we diversify suppliers for them, instead of them trying to diversify suppliers uh, for themselves.
0: And, and just going back to that, Mia, are you guys selling lockers? Or are you placing lockers for free and charging transactional? What, what is your business model?
2: We sell lockers, so we don't keep the ownership of the lockers. Um, this is something that we started with um, as a business. Our idea first was to be a B2C player. Um, I, I think when you start a business, your idea is always B2C, right? Because uh, as, as a first-time founder, you don't really see things behind the scenes and 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 B2B um, kind of uh, B2B initiatives. So we wanted to place a locker network ourselves. Um, we kind of realized, okay, so we developed the whole technology from ourselves and we started getting a lot of demand from companies and, and we shifted B2B, which worked perfectly for us and we're specialized in that. But also being B2C and placing lockers on your own can be very capital intense. So we would leave this to, to larger companies and, and logistic companies who actually have a strong case for that to do that.
1: Yeah, excellent.
0: So uh, one of the uh, things that I have, that, that particularly interests me about your solution. It's the first one that I've seen and uh, at least your early marketing was really this modular design, and that might even be part of the name, I, I kind of assumed, although, you know, the more research I've done, I see that you guys have more standard lockers, both ones with a screen and without. Um, but can you talk about the modular design? Um, how, how much of your installations are that design and how are your thought process around that?
2: i think that's a great question and i think modular design of lockers is um it's crucial it doesn't matter what is the configure configuration of doors and what is the door size we always try to make them consist of columns and, and make it modular it's very hard for a company already to to nail it at the beginning know which locations are going to be more adapted um and utilized so having a modular locker consisting of columns can basically enable you to optimize a specific location to its fullest if it's if it has too much traction you can just easily add a column or two to the existing set or location if it doesn't have you can just leave it as a minimum make sure that there's one column standing and uh, remove the rest and maybe move it to the other direction so when we do things we really want to make them just scalable as inconvenient as possible and uh um, columns and, and modular locker really lives with that so um we don't have any design that wouldn't have modular lockers at, uh, right now.
1: Yeah. Do you, um, when it comes back to your initial thought of, you know, lockers for storage and other applications, how do you see the value of, of, of this real estate, um, outside of, you know, you're focusing on parcel in the last mile, but do you see the value of, um, of that real estate? Going into those different applications in the future, as you kind of establish yourself uh, and providing different, um, you know, those different applications that maybe you first initially thought of, but then kind of deviated from, and, and focusing on the, and the you know, the, the the big picture of of parcel.
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I think there, there's a lot to be still still to be done with smart lockers. I think we're in such an early stage. We're right now in a phase of building infrastructure there There's a fight going on for locations. there's a lot of uh, I know that prices for locations are increasing. Uh, when I say locations, this can be really everything. It can be a retail store chain, anything. So we're in a phase of building infrastructure. once infrastructure is built, I think lockers are gonna be just becoming more and more multifunctional. We started with uh, optimizing last mile using is a delivery. we're gonna then with did I believe first mile and returns. Now what what we're doing with Vinted for example is already the exchange of items on a locker so it's basically it allows you an in, in synchronous uh, synchronous uh, exchange or or meetup. what, what, what how this is going to continue okay so maybe we're going to start using them for storage maybe an online stores that don't have a presence could book certain doors on a locker and use them as their as kind of offline space to pick up their products um I know that when i was in us there was an idea that influencers could actually be using lockers as as their offline presence right, to sell the products through the locker because they don't own the retail store so i think there's a lot of use cases and once we build infrastructure we're going to see this expanding what we're also noticing is lockers right now companies own their own locker networks and now there's more and more agnostic locker networks and even those companies that that had them for their own started opening them so at some point, I think everything is going to be connected, all of them are going to be open and, and they're going to be heavily multifunctional. That's one of the reasons why we want to stay on the software side because I, I believe there's gonna be a lot to be done with software once the initial infrastructure is gonna be is gonna be placed. We we saw this happening a little bit also in the vending machine market years ago. Um I see a lot of similarities. Um so yeah, I, I think it's gonna be at the beginning, it might really become uh public space based on shared economy that you can just do, use it for everything
1: yeah the uh the vending machines is a is a good point that initially i mean for the long i mean how many how many years was vending machines just for pop right and now you can get a salad you can get your headphones um you can get uh, all these different electronics at the uh at the airport, it's a, it's a it's a very valid point. I think it took the vending industry to kind of you know a while to get caught up um, with all the other applications, but yeah, it's spot on.
2: Yeah, and you see them improving the, the payment systems on the vending machine. Uh, you see them connecting to each other. One thing that I'm noticing in vending machines, you have a lot of entrepreneurs who just decide to utilize a few locations and put a few vending machines there to to have it as a passive income. I'm very curious if this is something that can happen with uh, parcel lockers. Imagine you have a few locations, yeah. 10 locations. You just want to place it there. There's a software that connects you with the best logistic companies or those with the most volume, and they start delivering in your locker. So this is something I'm curious to see if it's going to evolve to, to that. I think it it will. Yeah.
1: You're on mute, jan The mute is not super easy in
0: Riverside here. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: so I agree with you as well, Amita, that there's a lot of opportunity for entrepreneurs to start buying and placing lockers once uh, a company are able to monetize sort of owning the lockers and then uh, monetizing their transactions that happen on them. You talked about the software level and being interested in the software side of things. It seems, um, you know there's two different pieces of the software or maybe more but at least one is the software that runs the lockers and the other you're kind of talking about the integrations into the different carriers and such if you guys see yourselves as being a software player where do you see yourself playing there and have you seen much of an appetite for locker companies to uh outsource the software that runs their lockers to third-party companies like yourself if that's what you're doing
2: right I'm very happy you said this because software is usually taken too broadly, and we know a lot of examples. Some of them from competitors uh, here in Europe that think they have a good software, but when they mean software, they they don't know how wide uh, the software can be. When I'm speaking of software, um, I'm more referring to the software running the lockers. Uh, When it comes to integrations, we usually have an API which with companies they can integrate their existing systems. So we're not really on a side yet to to provide. Software very far to to the integration with uh with the couriers, even though we've done this in the past, but when I refer to software, yeah, I mean software running the lockers um, yeah, I hope that answers your question
0: yeah, and have you found any locker companies that are licensing your software? I mean you know are there locker companies licensing your software today
2: yeah, so it is our idea to be a software player and this comes with having these distributors or locker companies when they get an opportunity to make smart lockers to just apply our software. So that's what we're doing actually. A lot of manufacturers that I mentioned before as being part of our portfolio of suppliers are actually using our software. So the, the lead or a partner doesn't need to come essentially through us. It can also contact our partner and they will use our software. Um, we're We're working with multiple companies like this. We're especially happy if we can get a manufacturer that that we built trust and and we've done this in the past in which we secure them a certain amount of uh orders every year and in exchange they kind of use our software so um we're really about software and applying software on as many lockers as possible even though even if we don't provide hardware from the beginning got it yeah
0: so when, when so you say Just a follow-up to that, Emiha. I mean, you talked about the phenomenal growth that you're seeing. Is a lot of the from your revenue perspective, where is that, and is a significant portion of it coming from selling the software?
2: Um, It's not a significant portion. Uh, It is our goal to to be a significant portion in the future. So the reason for that is a software fee compared to the. the full hardware fee when you make a sale, it's a uh, it's relatively small, right? It can be I don't know, could be 10%, could be more, could be less, but let's say it's around there. So you need some time after you make a sale for software fees to accumulate. So once you have a lot of clients, once it passes two three years, these software fees get accumulated, and and we believe that in the next three to five years, the software fees are actually going to be uh, much higher than 50% uh, of the full revenue. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, lost my train of thought again. Yeah. Friday's is, uh, is a tough time. You get to, uh, we can edit all this stuff. So, uh,
2: oh, no, that's good. Other... If, uh, <laughs> if, uh, if, uh, you have... if you'd be fresh on Friday, it means you didn't give you all your all in, uh, during the week. Yeah. So, <laughs>
1: um, one question I have is Are you seeing, you know, traditionally uh, most of the lockers, um, you know, specifically parcel, is they're all, you know, have a kiosk or a tablet interface um, to, you know, to interact for the delivery driver to pick up. But um, as creating a network of lockers, especially in the public domain, um, a headless locker, obvious, for obvious reasons, when it comes to uh, failure points and vandalism and things like that, is 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 very sought after. Tell us a little bit about your guys' evolution or what how you're thinking about that from a kiosk-centric uh, model to something that, you know, if you are thinking about it, or, or a, a more headless-style model.
2: By the headless, if I understand correctly, you mean… Lockers without the screen—is no. that yeah. what you mean? Yeah. Uh, because That's there's right. a big discussion going on in the industry. There's um, so maybe a year or two ago, battery lockers, so screenless lockers, were a big uh, were a big hit. Um, mm-hmm. they, they have their own advantages and disadvantages. You have a battery locker; it means it doesn't need an electric uh, plug, and you can basically place it everywhere uh, in the middle of the forest if you want to, which sounds great in a theory. The problem is, such locker is much less um it, it it's much, much less multifunctional doesn't have internet connectivity at all times so basically it can go on fire or or you it's very hard even to track um if the locker if the parcel has been picked up uh or not if uh because it it only connects to the internet when the user interacts with it basically so it has a lot of disadvantages but we so far we've been working with electric locker so with a with the typical solutions that you know um we believe that long-term locker with electric plug and, and being multifunctional is gonna be much more u- uh, useful. Lockers can stay around for 10 years. You place one, uh, it doesn't go bad right away. So we wanted to make a solution for future. That being said, I think a perfect locker network consists of both solutions. Uh, those more dense areas definitely need a more multifunctional solutions. But if you have maybe some a little bit more remote place, Uh, without too big a density of population, you you can just put the battery locker and kind of mix it in the whole network. But I think the majority is going to be um, consisting of lockers with electric plug. And that's what we're doing. Um, We like to have a screen. It improves the user experience. Uh, It really enables all the different use cases, not just the delivery. And um, I think in the future, smart lockers are going to have to be as multifunctional as possible.
1: Yeah.
0: Can you talk about the markets that you're playing in from a, um, you know, when I was at, at Luxor One, it was mostly multifamily. We went into retail. What are some of the areas that you're playing in? I mean, whether it be public lockers and, and where do you see the future growth for your business being?
2: I did notice that in U.S., the most popular use case is residential uh, buildings and, and even some universities uh, and university campuses. In Europe, definitely logistic industry and solving the last mile is number one, um, which kind of makes sense. Last last mile solution doesn't work if you don't have a density big enough. So we have here logistic companies and carriers who are really placing uh, huge locker networks with a huge density. Um, The second market segment, I believe, is retail. And retail can be very wide. Uh, It can go from um, just the grocery stores, electronic stores that are adopting smart lockers a lot for the click and collect uh i believe i, I i've read a huge number that buy online pickup in store in us grow at a huge rate that that i can't recall but once you have buy online pickup in store you just need to place a locker because instead of having a person managing uh basically your package you could just put a locker and make and automate it if you put it outside you can even make it 24 7. and you can also optimize cost because you don't have a labor cost managing that. So you kind of have a win-win situation in all in all cases. So retail is great. Um we have a great case with pharmacies. Pharmacies are a very funny click and collect case. People don't want to wait in a line for a very basic um medicine if they want to take. During COVID, we also noticed that some people were afraid to enter pharmacies. So they were very happy to just pick up an item and, and run away as soon as possible. So uh that's one. And then growing segment are also laundry stores. Um so When when the clothes are ready, they just wait for you in a locker. Uh, Very convenient. So all this in Europe comes kind of before facilities, which are kind of smart buildings, uh, residential buildings, office buildings. But I think at the end, this might be the biggest market segment just because they have the most locations if you think about it. Almost every second building is an office or or a residential building. So that's kind of our end game. But in Europe, everything else works better for now.
1: Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned uh, laundry. Ark. that's how you guys started in lockers, right?
2: Um, oh, sorry, howdy. <laughs> Ark.
0: yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's fun. I think uh, you're going to start to see a lot of solutions coming back in through laundry. It's always been a really good use case for, for lockers, that asynchronous transaction that you were talking about where people want to drop their laundry off, it needs to get serviced, and then given back to them. Um, you know, smart lockers have... You haven't traditionally needed smart lockers there, but now that smart lockers are being used for a lot of additional use cases, why not have a, why not have laundry go through them as well?
2: Yeah, yeah, I see. I see laundry market segment growing so much that you actually have companies, locker companies, specializing in a, in the laundry market segment. Which for me, it's maybe a little bit too niche in a niche industry, but yeah, that, that's an indication how how good the use case it is.
1: Miha, one of the questions, um, you know, majority of the smart locker industry for Parcel um, is the transaction is kind of the inbound. Um, have you done anything regarding outbound, essentially enabling people, not just returns, but uh, enabling people to send packages using your lockers uh, in more of an outbound fashion?
2: Uh, are, you, are you referring to our partners actually acquiring lockers if they were an inbound or you found them as an outbound?
1: no 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 sorry sorry for the for the customer so instead of receiving your package instead of receiving a package as as a user um actually being able to deliver be able to ship a package um Mm -hmm. from a location so instead of the delivery driver dropping the item off and assigning it or or, you know assigning it to the end user the end Mm -hmm. user is actually starting the transaction and the delivery driver is picking it up to um to uh as as an you know an outbound transaction right
2: we see this a a very rare case scenario i mean working with Vinted, being a marketplace uh user does the first and the last mile so i guess this is the closest one to the one that uh, you're referring so what they do is they go to it's actually a locker to locker logistics that it's what the Vinted does so a final user goes to no the, the the sender goes to locker uh by sender i mean uh, actual customer goes to locker um puts a package and then a logistic service makes a locker to locker delivery and on the on the last side uh then the basically the the customer picks up the package so i think that's that's a very interesting use case in which only customers kind of interact first and the last with the locker and, and then then you just ship it to the, to the closest one that uh, it's available to them yeah
0: so, I understand that you started in two thousand nineteen, you're one of the newer locker companies to the market, especially competing in Europe, where you have some mm-hmm. some massive you know billion dollar players now in the space and um, do you think there's opportunity for other locker companies to come in and you know what what's been the key to your success um, with your phenomenal growth?
2: Yeah, so there's a lot of legacy solutions as we call them um they're a little bit, in our case, too rigid for the current market needs. Uh, but there's one thing about this industry. Um, usually, you need a large density of lockers for the locker network to make sense. And if you want to have a large density, it means you need to have a big capital investment into lockers to to, to make that. So to trust someone, a big capital investment, and, and this is tens of millions, you need... Um, your company needs to be super credible. It's kind of an infrastructure building. It's, it's really the project management, what, what you go into this sales process. So I see a, a big barrier of new companies getting this credibility um, for the big companies to actually trust them to build their their infrastructure. Um, so this is something that we were also st- uh, struggling initially um, to, to kind of fight that. We were just making as, as many small projects as, as we could, uh, we were also very happy to be uh, supported by so-called last mile experts who uh, were actually also investor in our company and they were part of many or, or majority of large locker deployments in the past. They consist of former C level executives at Amazon, UPS and DPD. So that, that really kind of increased our credibility as a solution and as a player. So if you don't credibility, uh, it's very hard to get large projects. And it's very hard to survive long-term if you don't get large project, l- large projects. One thing we also realized with the small deployments, it's kind of the same amount of work as it is with a large deployment. So um, I think it's kind of, that that makes it very hard for new players. But that being said, again, we've been last year in, in a trade show, uh, post and parcel. I think it's the biggest trade show in the world that consists of lockers and uh, I mean, there's been a lot of players, I could say 20, and there's 10 new ones every year, but there's also 10 that's not there anymore. So I guess there's kind of circulation of a bit smaller players, um, but to to stick in this industry, I think um, it's very hard just for that credibility that I mentioned.
1: Yeah, excellent. Um, Regarding your current, you know, the current stage of your business, you know, how, how can our, you know, our podcast is still relatively new, but, um, how can, how can we help you? Um, are you hiring more people? Are you raising additional capital? Like how, how can we, you know, spread the word
2: and, uh, and help you grow your business? Right. So if I would have to point out one thing and, um, many times I'm playing around with the question, what, what happens if, uh, if we don't exist in 10 years, what happened, right? And Or what is our biggest challenge or what is the challenge that we just need to solve? So um, in a position we're in, in in a growing market with a great strength, what I'm realizing is that the most important thing is actually the talent that you're able to hire. Um, if you have the right team, I think with our position, we will be here for a long time and we will do well and and keep doing what we're doing. So... If I could use an opportunity to point out anything i mean we're hiring a lot we're hiring on many positions we doubled the team since last year four months after after starting the year so um if if anyone is listening this to who who sees this relevant um i would say go to our website to the job section and uh please apply so i think that's that's what we're seeking out the most and and uh what honestly we're paying a lot of attention to
1: yeah Eric, any uh, final thoughts?
0: No, I think it's great what you guys are doing. Congrats on your success. Uh, and, you know, I love that you're continuing to sort of push the market. Uh, I, th- I think your, your thoughts around some of the legacy players kind of being locked in their ways and, and newer startups being needed to kind of push the industry. Uh, it's great to have you out there. So I wish you a lot of success. If, if people want to uh, get in touch with you or learn more, how, how should they reach out?
2: Um I would say they should reach out through LinkedIn. It's it's where I'm super active and um maybe I'm afraid to to give my email right here because uh you know how emails can be <laughs> yeah. can be occupied Absolutely. by some by some groups of people so yeah. Yeah. And, Absolutely. and by the way, Eric, your website
1: is oh, block.it. Is that what it is? Your Correct. website is block. Okay, go ahead, sorry.
2: Um no, sorry for that. I just wanted to comment uh since it's a locker podcast Eric, I think you have the best background locker behind. <laughs> I think we could uh we could next time everyone have the the locker behind it would be quite cool.
1: Yeah.
0: That <laughs> yeah. yeah, always my dream cool. was have a, in fact uh the inspiration was there's a there's a store in San Francisco where they had a whole wall of lockers and I said one day I want that in my house and so I've achieved my oh, locker wow. dreams.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. yeah.
2: You you're taking words out of yeah. my mouth basically. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, we appreciate you uh, taking the time, and yeah, um, yeah. I always like following your guys' LinkedIn and social social media posts and, and see the progress. So it's it's always great to uh, it was great to meet you finally and, and, and catch up and see what you guys are doing.
2: Likewise, it's been great talking to you. That's
0: Thanks, and nice. for anyone that wants to uh, subscribe to our channel or uh, follow the Locker Lab, Lab podcast on Apple Podcasts, uh, please do. We're featuring some of the the leaders in the space and excited to bring this content to everyone.
1: Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) Excellent. Well, yeah. Um, I think they can stop recording and then, uh,